Hello, family, and welcome back to the Explore the Extraordinary podcast. My name is Betty Guadagno, and today I am joined by Pooja. And Pooja is a published author. She's a podcast host, and I had the pleasure of meeting her in person at the IAMS conference in Washington, D.C. this year. And it was just a beautiful kind of moment of soul connection. I was able to go on her podcast. And so now I'm bringing her on to our podcast because she's got a message to share with our community. And I'm really grateful for your willingness to be of service to the community here at IAMS. And so I'm going to toss it right over to you to start sharing. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Betty. And I've really, really loved and enjoyed knowing you and having you on my show as well. Thank you. And so um, just a little bit about myself. I live in North Carolina. I'm originally from India and I've lived in the U.S. over 30 years. So this is my home now. And the journey that I want to share with everyone today is my spiritual journey um, and also a difficult topic. It's difficult for uh, me in some ways to talk about, which is religious trauma. But it's all linked to my spiritual journey. And I've had three STEs, and I'm happy to share all of them uh, really briefly. I grew up in India. I grew up Hindu. So that's where my religious story begins. It begins as a Hindu. My parents were very, very tolerant of other faiths. So that was never an issue growing up. And I had exposure to, you know, all of the Hindu traditions, Muslim traditions, and a little bit of the uh, Christian tradition, Christmas and Easter. So that was the extent of my knowledge about religions. I just thought it's all about rituals and traditions, and I never really uh, went deep into it. However, in my teenage years, I began to realize that people were really afraid of God, the people that in, that were in my world back then. And they were super afraid of doing the rituals in the perfect order, in the perfect way, like as if God was watching and, you know, the slightest mistake could end them in trouble. And that I began to question that a little bit. And I thought, you know, whoever created us, uh, why would they expect these things from us? That didn't make any sense to me. But I kind of just didn't want to worry about it. I had other things to do. So I just got busy pursuing my academics, my life goals. But when I was 17 years old, I was struck with a very uh, strange illness that no one could diagnose. And in India, you can go to medical school straight from high school. So believe it or not, at 17, 18, or age, I was pursuing medical school. And so I was surrounded by the best healthcare, the best doctors, and no one could figure out what was going on with me. At one point, uh, they tried like uh, uh, antidepressants and pills. I, I was on seven different medications at one time and uh, nothing was working. And my symptoms were really strange. Like I would uh, have real anxiety, depression. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. And the eating part, I would throw up even if I drank water. So imagine a whole year of not eating or drinking. You know, I became skin on bones and they had to just feed me with a spoon. You know, they would make all the crush it into a liquid and try to feed me and I would throw it right back up. Not knowing what to do when all the doctors were giving up, my parents pursued a spiritual path for my healing. So we went to all different temples. We went to the Muslims where they worship the Sufi saints, you know, they're mystics and uh, they do energy healing and things like that. So I was exposed to that as well. Um, and nothing was working. And to make a long story short, that's what 
made me land up in the USA because my father had a um, cousin in New York and who knew someone at Duke University in North Carolina. And he suggested that this could be something rare and uh, maybe we could they could do some research, maybe help me out. And so, you know, I thought, hey, this doesn't hurt. So that's how I ended up in the U.S. But what ended up happening is I never was able to get in touch with the person that was supposed to help me at Duke University. Instead, my roommates, because how I came in was as a student, and my roommates, they took me to a pastor's house, and we they prayed for me, and I healed in, like, overnight. Just like that, boom. And, you know, at this point, I've been suffering for almost two years. So I was very, uh, of course, I was like really intrigued. I was like, what just happened, you know? So I wanted to explore Christianity as a religion. I thought if Jesus healed me, there must be something to it. So I started going to church. And before I knew it, you know, I was um, serving in the church. I was just very deep into all of the church activities and the religious aspect because that's all I knew how to be. You know, growing up, I was trained. My brain was trained to think in terms of religion. And so that's what I knew to do. And then um, back then, I was also reading some of my Hindu scriptures to comfort me. And I remember one night I was reading this prayer book uh, that my dad had given me. And it was like a little book that you're supposed to read to ward off like evil spirits and things like that, you know, stories I grew up with. Uh, and at the time, Betty was, I think, I probably, possibly my first STE, though I don't really classify it like that. But it was the first time in my life that I heard a voice that wasn't me it wasn't my thoughts and it wasn't coming from it wasn't audible I, I felt like I could hear it from outside and inside me all at the same time it was a very loving kind I don't exactly remember what it said but the gist of it was why am I doing something that's disempowering why am I believing that by reading these prayers I could keep away evil spirits when the power is coming from within me, right? When Jesus healed me. So I don't know what came over me. So I just kind of dropped the prayer book and I picked up a Bible. <laughs> I thought back then somehow, I don't know why I did that instinctively. And when I opened it, the very first thing I saw, uh, and it really jumped at me, was my sheep hear my voice. And I thought, oh, did I hear this voice and is this Jesus speaking to me? And so that day I kind of made a decision to go all hardcore, like, yes, this is it. I was so excited. I want to follow Jesus. You know, I want to go all the way. And so unfortunately that back then I didn't know that, you know, religion was not my path, was not destined to be my path. Jesus was, but not the religion part of it. And um. The church I was with uh, also ended up being very fundamentalist and very legalistic. And without going into a lot of the details, it started damaging my mental health because I started fearing God. And now, you know, uh, keeping in mind that I know Jesus has healed me. So I recognize that that's, there's power there. But what what failed to happen was to make that connection with love. It was all fear-based for me, Betty. Uh, soon I started, you know, fearing God. I started fearing Jesus. And I started viewing him as a very st strict and stern entity. And then 
again, I went back to my childhood fears. You know, God is going to get upset with me. There's a heaven and hell. There's torture. There's judgment. All kinds of worries started plaguing me. And I served. I kept on serving. Like service was my way to ease my anxiety, I guess, because I thought, if I serve enough, I'm going to be in favor of God. And, you know, and I was always worried about something happening to my kids because that's how they were teaching. You know, the sermons and the messages were very fear based about how God could become your enemy if you're not, uh, if you have a bad attitude, like all kinds of things. And ultimately, I felt this extreme separation from myself from God, from Jesus, and even from my family, because I was so disconnected from everything. I didn't have the language for it. And now I do after all these years, because this is all happening between the years of 1993 and then 2010, when I had a massive um, spiritual transformation. So so during this time, I didn't have a word for it. But now I know that I was pretty disassociated with everything. And so uh, in 2010, I was actually kind of envious of the atheists. I thought, you know, look at that. They're so happy. They don't have to worry about God and they don't have to worry about all this religious stuff. And I wanted to be one. And I said, how do you be one? You know, I said, I know I've heard Jesus's voice and I can't deny that. At the same time, I don't want to believe in anything that is outside and higher because it has the power to harm and hurt me. And so I became even more depressed and I felt stuck. I felt like I couldn't leave the religion. I felt like I couldn't leave the church I was with because they had become my family in the U.S. There was like about 70, 80 people. It was a small church. And because my husband and I were serving there, we were very deeply rooted. My children were deeply rooted. And I didn't feel like I had the courage to just pick up and walk away. And I didn't know if I walked away, what would I walk into? Like, I didn't have anything, uh, any kind of faith or anything to replace what I was doing. And then one day, I remember this, Betty, I was sitting and crying. Uh, I was having kind of like a nervous breakdown. In uh, I was at home in my, and I was sitting and hiding in my closet because my kids were really little and I didn't want them to know that mommy's crying. And so I was hiding in that closet and I didn't even turn the light on. I didn't want them to find me. And um, I don't know what happened. I was weeping and one minute I'm weeping and I feel like I'm having a meltdown. And the next minute, I felt this massive, like someone touches you, right? You know you were touched. And then something like an electric current, which I say it's an electric current, but it was so gentle, Betty. Like it was like, I don't know, when the waves are really gentle in the ocean and something touches you, you know, in the water. It was like that, but it went through my body. It went through my body on my left side. And it went from my waist down to my feet. And I started feeling overwhelming peace. And then the sense that I was being loved and really loved. And like, you have to understand at this point, I'm so disconnected from emotions. It, too, it, it wasn't, I couldn't, I didn't feel like I was capable of connecting to that kind of love. It really felt like it was outside of me and that it it was overcoming, you know. Um, and I felt really at peace. And I opened my mouth to say something. And if I would say Jesus, I would feel like heat go through my legs because I was wondering if this is him, you know, because that was the only uh, only 
entity or person that I, I was connecting with, even though I was so disassociated. Um, and whenever I would say Jesus, then he would go through my body and my legs and I would start feeling really happy and light. And I thought, what is going on? And, you know, there's a little part of me that's also a scientist. I'm trained as a scientist. This was in a before I became the author. Um, that was my job. And I thought, I need to gather more data. And so I started uh, doing this little experiment to see. And I said, I need a sign. Every time I say Jesus, if I feel the same feeling, then I'll know it's him. And then at 100 on 100, it happened. And then I was actually... I don't want to use the word ashamed, but I was scared. I was scared to share that because the only valid spiritual experiences that was allowed in my church was everything had to be, you have to find it in the Bible or the pastor has to approve it, you know. And so I thought if I share this, uh, they're going to think I'm crazy. But what happened, I started feeling the presence of Jesus super strong. It was a very kind, like I can't describe it, Betty. It's like if you think of the kindest kindness that you've received, this is times a million, right? And it wasn't lining up and matching up with what I was sharing in church. And so I started feeling really torn, like a civil war was going on inside me. And before I was doing things out of fear, but now I didn't have that fear, but I was still doing the same things. And I realized I was doing them out of habit and obligation. And so one day I heard the voice again that I had heard, like, it was a very sweet. And it was like, what are you going to do? You know, you can't go on like this because no one pours new wine in an old wineskin. And that's actually a Bible verse. And so I said, oh, uh, you know, I'm experiencing something new. But if I cling to this old structure, I'm going to damage my soul. I actually had that realization. So I made a decision to leave. And that was very hard. So I won't go into those details, but um, after I left, I had a lot of, I want to say it was PTSD, though I was never diagnosed with that. Uh, I didn't even know that I could go and get help, that there was therapy and counseling. All this is in 2010, and my knowledge of all this was very less. I only lived in one world, and that was my church, and then my family, and then my job. So I didn't realize that what I was going to make, if I would go near a church building, my heart would start like pounding and racing. If I And after I left that church, I tried to attend another one. But when I would sit in the service, and though it was a very healthy church, it was the messages were pretty loving and love-based, I still would kind of start sweating and my heart rate would increase. So I knew that I had to stop going to the institution. So I stopped going, Betty, but what ended up happening is because the my brain was so conditioned to be feel guilty for not going, I would feel guilty for not going. And that's when I had my second and third STEs where I was questioning, I was asking Jesus what to do. And he ended up showing me how strong each one of us are connected to him, whether or not we go to church or not, whether we not, whatever religion we believe, it doesn't matter because it's his pure unconditional love. And each one of us is connected to that all the time. But it's like we get stuck in our brains and stuck in a narratives that either we've been told or choices we've made that lead to those narratives, right? My second STE, I was taking a nap on my uh, couch and I felt like I was being caught up in a twister. 
And it was so calm and gentle and loving. And I know that uh, the same thing repeated uh, a few weeks later. This is back in 2018. The same thing repeated. And I uh, felt like I saw his robes, you know, just the robes. I didn't see Jesus's face or anything like that. But I knew it was him. And then again, the same thing happened. There was so much heat like I felt my body burning like you know you have a fever but I didn't have a fever and then for a few days I felt like there was a fire around me and it was like cleansing all of the wounds and all of the hurt and I, I just felt so healed I felt so healed and that's when I decided that I need to start reframing my faith because I still believed in Jesus but I didn't believe what I had been told so that's when I started writing books and I was getting some downloads and final nail in the coffin for that um, for that trauma was listening to NDEs. They really, really healed me because these were people that are telling me that they've been on the other side and they are witnesses to this amazing, awesome, loving source. And not just the source, they're witnesses to who we are. Also amazing, awesome, loving. So that, in a nutshell, Betty, was my journey. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. First of all, that was like super comprehensive. Usually I write down like a million questions, but every time that I did, you answered it immediately after I wrote it down. <laughs> but I thank you so much for sharing. There's some stuff that you said that really resonated with me. And I think that this is such an important conversation to have. Like to, to have the conversation around the trauma of um, like organized religion, um, because, yeah, it can be really traumatizing for a lot of people. And I love how you described the kindness of Jesus mm -hmm. um, and, and how it didn't align with church values. And I had a similar experience to that as well. And um, yeah, I'm like, we could go into like a conscious conversation about <laughs> how the Bible doesn't actually line up with what so many experiencers say, you know, mm -hmm. and um, even in my own experience, like I went into heaven as like the most hedonistic, like, you know, de depraved person ever. And I was still shown unconditional love and kindness. Mm -hmm. So I know that it doesn't align with what many churches teach um and you know like so how do you feel about the bible like now what what are your what are your thoughts about it i am so glad you asked so part of my trauma was also with the bible when i would open up the bible i would start getting this heart um heart rate would go up but one day and again you know these little things would happen one day i opened it and all of a sudden i felt like this um something like very sweet like honey like and I I hope this doesn't sound crazy Betty but I wanted to eat it <laughs> it this is like really crazy I, I don't know what came over me I was like oh my god this book is sweet and I need to eat it and I thought what is this and that's when that was my first clue that I had to reframe everything that I had understood so I decided to go and educate myself I started for the first time reading books written by professors and scholars and trying to put the context together and when I started researching and doing that um did that for about four or five years I actually came to the conclusion that a lot of the things that I was learning in church wasn't even that's not even what the bible was actually saying 
It's a much more universal book than what we've made it. I also feel like it is inspired, that the people that wrote it were inspired, but I also believe that we've lost the original translations. So there's a lot of room for miscommunication and misinterpretation. But I keep going back to it because I am so fascinated by Jesus and a lot of his stories are in there. So for me, it's I transition from having that chest pounding when I read the Bible to wanting to eat it. So go figure that out. Wow. Oh my goodness. That's so beautiful. I've yeah, I've never heard somebody describe it that way before. And that's so special. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, I think that thousands of years of interpretation, uh, language barriers, like you know, mistranslation, all of these things have kind of left us with this garbled sort of game of telephone um, spiritual text, you know? So I'm curious, have you ever, because, you know, I'm a fan of Jesus too. (laughs) um, And I got really into the idea of Jesus. Well, obviously like the New Testament, the Bible was like one of the first things that Mm -hmm. I picked up after my spiritual experience Mm -hmm. because I had never read any sort of spiritual text before. And I know like that's that's a pretty popular one. So I started reading that. And again, it didn't resonate with my spiritual experience. I thought, this doesn't make any sense, you know, as I was going through the Old Testament, at least. And then when I started to get into the New Testament, I was reading it through my perception. And so, you know, I'm, I'm reading it in like this super metaphysical, like, you know, like, infinite way. And so a lot of it did make sense and resonate. Uh, And then I found A Course in Miracles and I found um, Jesus, my autobiography. I'm curious if you've gone into those things like channels, channels of Jesus. I have not explored those. I think the the two books that really, really helped me to reframe and re-understand. Have you heard of Father Richard Rohr? He's the Franciscan priest, and he wrote a book called The Universal Christ or The Cosmic Christ. And that really opened up and expanded my view and my vision of Jesus. It was amazing because how how universal it is. You know, he views Christ as the force in every creature. And that's how universal uh, that is. And he's quoting a lot from the Bible. So in the beginning, that was comforting for me because I feel like I needed that a validation to connect it back to what I knew. And then A Course in Miracles, Betty, I have to tell you, maybe it's time for me to read that. Someone gave it to me and I never read it. So I have that. You talking about it now? I think I better go and revisit that one. Oh my goodness, that's so great! You can come to the study group that I go to. I'll send you the information. Please do. Yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah. It's very, you know, it's a very challenging book to read because it reads like stereo instructions. Mm -hmm. It's like a bunch of words that don't seem to make sense in a sentence. Um, But it's for me, when I read it, it's so obvious that it's not from a human mind. This is Mm -hmm. not from something of earth. This is something otherworldly. Otherworldly. But you know, one thing I do want to mention here, Betty, um, since we're talking about different sources, I have a little thing that I now use as my test filter for whatever I'm hearing and whatever I'm uh, reading to know, you know, whether it resonates with me or not, there's a verse uh, that Jesus actually said, you know, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if anything doesn't cause us to feel that lightness or and if we feel oppressed, then it's not for us. 
so that's how I'm using that like as my guide in my filters whenever I read any book or in listening I haven't really read any channeling but every now and then I'll come across a video where they're channeling Jesus and I do listen to those Wow, that's so cool. I've never heard that quote before, and I definitely would never have interpreted it the way that you just interpreted it. So thank you. Because yeah, I feel like that's exercising the spiritual principle of open-mindedness, like not feeling so rigid in something, you know, like if it's rigid, you know, I, I, I was just saying this the other day, even when it comes to something like purpose, Like when I see the word purpose in my mind, I see it inside of a jail cell. It's like these big, huge block letters and it's like purpose, you know, but like really purpose is so flowy and it changes all the time. Like right now, this is our purpose. Right now we are carrying out our purpose. An hour from now, our purpose will be something else and we'll be carrying that out as well, you know? And I'm so, I can't believe you brought that up. Talk about a synchronicity. This morning, I opened up my journal and I actually reread something I had written about the word purpose. And do you know what I, what I had written in there was uh, purpose, everything that we do somehow fits into a purpose. So, you know. It's so, yeah. so true. Yeah. So yeah, you know what? Let's let's segue a little bit and talk about your purpose. I know that you've created some conscious space. Mm-hmm. Um, you've created a podcast and I love being able to um, give, you know, give space for podcast hosts to come on and talk about this because I really feel like it's a universal purpose for us to create conscious space for one another mm-hmm. and to make these extraordinary experiences a little more normalized so that it can become the new ordinary. So why don't you talk about, yeah, like how your purpose has evolved and how it shifts and changes and what you feel like it is right now. Sure, Betty. Uh, So when I first started uh, healing, I wanted to be a voice for those that may feel very stuck in those kind of religious systems, but they didn't know how to get out. And I wanted to show them a different Jesus. So I started out writing a lot of books about Jesus, but through a very different lens. And then I quickly realized that there is also not just religious trauma, that people have other kinds of, uh, you know, challenges. They've lost loved ones or, you know, uh, they've lost their sense of self. Like soon it started, you know, just expanding into other things. And I found so much comfort and solace in listening. I used to binge on IAN's videos in, I tell you, back in 2015, I want to say, or 2016. And I was finding so many answers to my questions there. So I wanted to create that space in my world because I really felt that a lot of healing can happen when we listen to other people's experiences. A lot of the people like you, Betty, when you go to the other side, Prior to that, there's trauma, there's significant trauma, right? And all of these stories were so inspiring how they healed and, you know, learning about how wonderful and kind our our creator is. So I thought, you know what? Writing books isn't enough. Now I wanted to bring these people into my world because in my world, people that I was with, that was my immediate sphere of influence, they were not um, necessarily spiritually minded, very left brain, you know, science kind of people and, and things like that. And I thought, no, I really need to raise awareness about this. 
very grassroots. So that's what led me to it. I said, I don't have an agenda. I'm just going to have a conversation. And then that's it. Let, let it take over from there, whatever's meant to be. But I do feel one thing, uh, and that's my intention, Betty. Uh, it's m- not sure if it's my purpose, but it's my intention. Before every recording, yeah, before every recording, before I write a blog, before I release a video, I have only one prayer, only one prayer. Let it heal someone today. That's it. That is so beautiful. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. That is my intention. Every morning when I wake up the first, I'm like really into like doing like a five minute meditation Mm -hmm. when I wake up and when I go to sleep, because it's like the most prime time to be doing that. But I use my meditation as an intention time. Mm -hmm. And it's the second I open my eyes, I say, let me be of service to someone today. Mm -hmm. Let me assist someone in healing today. It's the first thing I say as soon as Mm -hmm. I open my eyes. And then sometimes I get annoyed. I'm like, God, did it have to be this person that I had to help you? (laughs) But um, I love that you just said that. It's Mm -hmm. so powerful. It really, really is. Mm -hmm. Why don't you talk a little bit about how um, listening to the near-death experiences, like what exactly that did for you? Like I, I heard you say that it was very validating. Is there something specific that comes to mind? Yes. So the first thing, it so a lot of the originals, the initial stories I heard, I started with Howard Storm and Anita Murjan. And both of them I found validating because I was just coming out of that religious mindset. And, you know, there was so much anxiety about hell and not all my families were Christian. And I thought, oh, are they going to go to hell? You know, you have that fear. And listening to Anita Morjani, and, you know, she comes from my same community in India. And I said, oh, oh, thank God, you know, my family's are going to be fine. And she was fine on the other side. And then Howard Storm, when he talked about Jesus on the other side, it was exactly like the Jesus I knew. So that was tremendously validating. And then atheists and scientists and Dr. Evan Alexander, his books. And the thing that I used to also fear, Betty, was judgment. And whenever I read about these life reviews, it took me uh, um, some time to actually not be afraid of life reviews. When I had enough data, you know, again, back to the data set, right? I, I said, I'm li- and I, after listening to about two or 300 <laughs> stories, I realized how comforting the life review actually is. It's nothing to fear. So there was that no judgment. So a lot of the lies that I had been feeding myself um, that disappeared and dissipated. The NDEs are really precious to me or STEs or anyone that's encountered a loving, uh, loving source, you know, or discovered what's inside of us. That's beautiful. Yeah. And and again, it's more affirmation for those of us who are experiencers, any kind of experience, whether it's, you know, like seeing a sign or a synchronicity or anything, but being able to say these things out loud can bring the kind of validation to a person on a quest that we don't even know what kind of impact it's going to have, you know, and I'm so grateful for experiencers practicing the spiritual principle of courage. 
Mm-hmm. And honesty and coming out and really standing in their spiritual truth. You know, like today you sharing about your spiritual truth, I know is going to create a ripple that maybe we won't ever see the effects of it, mm-hmm. but I know it. I know that by having this really honest, real conversation, that change is inevitable from it, you know, happening. Yeah. That's such a beautiful gift as well. Um, So maybe can you share a little bit about your experience at the conference? Like, you know, you just kind of shared about how powerful these near-death experience stories were for you in validating your experiences. And was this the first time that you ever went to an IONS conference this year? Yes. Okay. Tell me a little bit about what that experience was like for you. A little shameless promotion for our conferences. No. Oh, my God, Betty. I'm already trying to save up uh, for the next one because the next one's not going to be drivable. This time I drove up because I'm on the East Coast. Um, What happened was Barbara Bartolome, she is... one of the facilitators and organizers for the IONS chapter, right? She was one of my guests and she said, how come you've never been, you've got to go to a conference. And I interviewed her maybe two weeks before the conference. So she's like, there's still slots left. You got to do this. And I was like, why haven't I done this yet? I keep binging on your videos. Why am I not a member? Why haven't I done this? And I did it. I went and became a member and then I was like, uh, took my whole family with me. They didn't attend the conference, but they were there, you know, just supporting. And Betty, you know, honestly, when I was there, it I felt like I was at I was home. I didn't know anybody, but my my spirit and my soul inside, it really felt like I didn't need to know anybody. I was at home and it was that same feeling that, and you know, I've left home over 30 years ago. Every time I go visit, there's that feeling of being home, even though I'm not connected every day. And I didn't know anyone and I still felt so much at home. And it's not like I was talking to people. No, I just felt the feeling of home. And then, uh, you know, of course, I walked up to you asking you if you, I was, I was so nervous at first. I said, you know, I don't want people to think I'm here just looking for gas because that was not, you know, that wasn't the intention was to feed, to feel it, to feed my soul. But then I couldn't help it. When I started seeing people, I started recognizing you guys from podcasts that I binged on. And I, you know, you don't know that I know you, but I've listened to your story, right? So I feel like I know you and I didn't want to be this creepy stranger just walking up to people saying, hey, well, you know, but I was excited. And then I started um, pitching up conversations with some of the other NDEers. Listening to this firsthand is so different from listening over Zoom or something like that. It just it just feels different. It makes it even more real. It makes it even more real. Wow. So it was an incredible experience, Betty. And then you were just Yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you, you know, I, I've only been to two. My first conference was in 2022 in Salt Lake City. And I, my ego was like all over me. And it was like, you don't know anybody. Like, this is crazy that you're walking into this place and you know nobody. And as soon as I walked through the hotel doors, it was like this blanket of sparkles went over me. Yep. And I was like, whoa, yep. Yep. it is such an intense feeling. So yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, it, it's an amazing experience to be able to connect with people in 3D, mm-hmm. like to be able to touch each other and hug each other and just yep. like really send like those healing, that healing energy to each other in real time, like right next to each other. It is so incredible. Yeah. Yes, it is. 
Yeah. So you said that you read Evan Alexander's books a lot. Were you able to see him have a do his talk live? Did you go to his workshop? I did not attend his workshop. Um, I think I was there for the last day. But you know, Betty, I saw he was one of the first people I saw, and I oh. and I didn't have the courage to go up to him and talk to him because it was just so. You see your heroes, right? It's like I read his books. I've listened to him so much, but when it came time to say hello, I just couldn't do it. I totally get it. I I was the same way the first year that I went uh, and I saw Mary Neal in an elevator and and she's the person that I, that was the first time that I ever heard an NDE. And I said, oh my God, that's what happened to me. And she described her experience so eloquently. And, um, and I was terrified and I was like in a tiny little elevator with her. And I was like, (laughs) I love you. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's amazing though. And I really think that it's so powerful, you know, that um that we can get so much hope and encouragement out of these are just regular people. You know what I yes. mean? Like they're yes. regular people, they're sharing about things that are, you know, like quite out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And and still it resonates with us on some deep soul level because we're open to that. We're mm-hmm. we're activated to to that that open-mindedness. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm yeah. curious if maybe you can share a little bit about how your family feels about sort of like your spiritual experiences, this path that you're on. I will have oh this is a great question because if you talk to my daughter she was seven years old when I uh you know left the first institution and she saw how much I transformed so my my son is was three so sometimes I hear her talking to my son and she'll say this she'll say you know you don't know when mommy was evil mommy but aliens abducted her and now she's good mommy Well, I was in her definition evil because I was so stressed all the time and I would keep losing it, you know. So she was very much a witness to that transformation. And that's how she describes it. And I feel like my family's been very supportive. Now, I have to tell you, they don't understand. They don't. They really don't. And I'm just grateful that they don't roll their eyes. Like, I'm, I appreciate that they at least respect me enough not to do that. But it's really cute for me to watch them listening to me while I know how their wheels are turning and they're thinking, mom is just crazy. She's just crazy. And so, um, and even for my husband, he's a very logical person. Um, you know, I am really, this is on my bucket list to bring him to a conference, like literally have him attend because I'll see all the data, you know, Dr. Jeffrey Long, when he presented, like, so I think, I think he knows that I'm not lying. Like he trusts and believes me, but I don't think he connects to any of the experiences, but that's okay for now. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that that's a big part of the spiritual journey too, is um, allowing the people that we love very dearly to have their own spiritual autonomy and to come into their awareness if they do mm-hmm. in this lifetime or if they don't in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And just being able to be supported, even if we're not necessarily like completely understood in the way that maybe we desire to be. Like yeah. my partner, my partner is an atheist. He doesn't know what I'm talking about half the time either, but he believes that I believe and he supports me in what I do with my yes. life, that I create conscious space for experiencers that, you know, most of my life is spent around talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About like all things metaphysical and all things spiritual. Yes. And, um, and it's just important for us to, and then we have each other, you know, like, yes. you know, you have me, yeah, I yes. have you, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
It's so beautiful. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I want to see if there's anything else that you want to share to feel more complete about our time together. Betty, just one last thing, because this is what I never did. Um, I just want everybody listening to be to be your best self. Just give yourself a lot of grace and do the best you can do to be authentic. And I have now defined that to very simply. To me, being authentic, being you means whenever you are making a choice, just make sure you're not doing it out of fear or obligation or guilt. Because those things can make us go deeper and get stuck. So I wish that everyone listening is healed of whatever burdens they're carrying. That's that's my wish and my prayer for everybody. Such a beautiful way to end it. Thank you so much for your willingness again to serve our community. And I look forward to seeing you at next year's conference in person for another hug. And uh, very grateful. All right. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Thank you.